One Emotional Podcast, Conversations for Inspiration on the Go. We offer on-the-go inspiration because our whole heart is set on beauty and our best bets are set on art. Hi, Moncaya. How are you? It's wonderful to have you here in Luan Podcast. Gracias. Thank you so much. I'm very happy. Trees behind me are happy. Yeah. All happy. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> you live in a beautiful place in nature. So I would like to um, introduce a bit of this wonderful woman that I have in front of me. Moncaya is uh, many, many, many things blended and integrated together. She's a, mus a musician, a designer, an illustrator, an engineer, and an entrepreneur. In the last decade, she has worked with the UN in the Middle East, published a children's book, led an NGO in Mexico fighting child sexual abuse, and since 2020, she has stepped into her full power as a musician, merging ancestral, pre-Hispanic, and traditional African-Asian instruments with synths, keys, beats, and looped vocals to create fresh sounds that awaken the soul. Her music is kind of like this hug to the soul, honestly. It's this kind of music that is quite introspective and brings you in towards your emotions. So it's very Luan-aligned. So thank you, Moncaya, for being here. And I would like to start, you know, this podcast with, tell us about your journey towards authenticity. When did you realize Moncaya was there all the time and ready to shine? How was your process? <laughs> ah, that's a great question. Um, I think it has to do with, I mean, I, I'm trying to understand the, the, when did it start? But I think it's always been there. It's been there way before I was born. I think, how do you know that you are a being, that you got to breathe, that you got to walk? How do you learn that you can make noises? I think it's all intuition. And there's, there's a part of us that is, for me, authenticity is that which does not change, that yeah. remains always true you know we can change a lot change is inevitable the only permanent thing is impermanence and uh Moncaya for me is that Moncaya is my artist you know authentic offering it's not the name I was born with it's the name that found me on a mountain and and that's from which all my musical and all my artistic career has been blooming ever since um, so it's always been there and, and my journey is still ongoing. Mm -hmm. I keep on finding ways to be inauthentic and I keep on finding ways to, uh, call myself out. I keep on finding spaces and people that take me closer to my authenticity and music and art for me are what I call my medicine, because those are the things where I feel most me, where I feel most authentic mm. and when I'm authentic, I don't care what people think. I don't care if people come and say this was the best concert I've ever experienced or I didn't like it. That's kind of so detached from why I'm doing it. Uh, and these are little cues that I think all of us can find uh, when realizing what things are more authentic to us and what things are less. 
Mm, that's wonderful. And has your intuition kind of like led you to these different pro professions with a purpose or it was just kind of like exploratory kind of like curiosity that actually led you to, you know, be an engineer and then write a children's book and then, you know, do many things that eventually are integrated today into the artist that you are. Mm -hmm. I still I, I do music now I don't know if I'll do it all my life I know I will do it for myself mm -hmm. you know but I keep on wearing different hats of how I surf in this world uh, my current one is 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 music yet they all have had something in common which is I've kept on always stepping out of my comfort zone into my discomfort zone like whenever the the learning curve starts to flatten whenever I feel um I'm doing things easy and, and I'm not saying this is a good thing. Like this makes my life probably much harder, <laughs> but that's, that's my gear on this ocean is kind of like, where's the growth potential? Where's the meaning? Where's the authenticity, you know, like how deep can we go mm. in expression and in relation to ourselves and to our environment? So I certainly think that curiosity and stepping out of my comfort zone took me and, and, and I've also been blessed with the loving to learn. Like mm -hmm. since I was little, I've loved to learn and I was learning about quantum physics and I was like, what is this crazy thing? I love this. And then um, started studying at university. Then I changed to um, engineering, environmental engineering. And um, one after another, I've just been moving, not wanting to be defined by one label or by one hat. Mm -hmm, of course. And I think that learning kind of like becomes uh, quite addictive, right? Because it's kind of like this pleasurable moment, kind of like being in the flow to learning something new. And it's not only important what you learn, but sometimes I think it's way more important what you unlearn <laughs> in that process, because sometimes you keep on adding layers of, you know, learning. And if you don't unlearn kind of like the base of something that doesn't matches with who you are anymore, then we need to kind of like clean the closet constantly, you know, to create you know, space to birth the new, right? And something that we find fascinating hearing Luan from all the speakers that we've spoken to is um, it's scary, right? To move yourself out of the comfort zone. It's quite scary because obviously the most comfortable thing and easy thing is to stay where you are, even though you're paying a price of not learning as fast or as um, in a fascinating way as you're used to. But how do you deal with fear? Mm -hmm. How do you, what is, how is your interaction with fear and how do you navigate the kind of like to take the decisions between when you choose fear and when you choose curiosity? For me, fear is a lot of the time linked to ignorance in the sense that when I, it's, it's often hard to see in the moment to be conscious about something that you're being fearful around. Mm -hmm. No, it's like, we feel confused. I feel um, sad. I feel heavy. And then only when I give myself space from that situation, I realized that it was fear that was blocking me. So sometimes I wish I was more conscious around fear for sure. Um, but I want to tell a, a short story of how I met um, Natalia Lafourcade, who many of you might know. She's one of the most um, amazing human beings I've met and one of the uh, most renowned Mexican artists. 
uh, and in, in the region and, and in the whole continent. And so I, we had a very, we've had many long conversations, but one of them, I was like, how do I make this decision that is, um, how do you make a decision that is so fearful? You know, like, I feel like so, so constrained. And she told me, Moncaya, there's not been one decision that I haven't made without fear. Mm. Like all the decisions I make all the time, I'm like, ah, what's going to, where is this going to take me? You mm. know, it's, it's the unknown. So instead of trying to suppress it and say, I don't want to feel fear, just know that it's always going to be there, at least for her. And I think it's also for me of like, okay, fear is part of the one sitting at the table, no, of all the different emotions. Mm -hmm. But if you give it no voting, right, how does that look like? Maybe you give other parts of yourself voting rights. Mm -hmm. And that really helped me because I was like, well, if Natalia has, you know, these fears, then for sure, <laughs> it's... <laughs> It's okay for me to have them. And if she can move through them, me too. Um, and, and so, yeah, I think, I think the way I work through it is first identifying it, naming it, recognizing it, and then not expecting it for, to go away, but mm -hmm. being like, you're there and I'm going to choose not to give you importance. Yeah. And that's even more fearful because it fights back. But then, mm -hmm. you know, you're doing the right job of like, I'm going to consciously say, fear is not part of my decision so what emerges totally and also kind of like have a different um angle towards fear that eventually fear is there to keep us safe right fear is kind of like there and should be kind of our best friend of our or our ally in the sense that fear is the one telling us like okay if you go towards that side the last time you found a lion so then you know if you go there you might find a lion again so take another route for example no but sometimes we let you know fear completely paralyze everything because then we don't have any road to take because there could be a lion or there could be a hippopotamus or there could be a snake or there could be whatever animal right back in the day where, where our you know fear-based you know uh, primitive impulses were you know free to show themselves right and something that i find fascinating is there's this um kind of like ritual to sit down and talk to your fear and talk to it mm saying it like, okay, thank you for keeping me safe. I acknowledge you. I see you. I know who you are and I listen to you. You don't need to, you know, kind of like scream any louder or you don't need to uh, kind of, you know, show yourself uh, more than what you're doing right now. I see you and I thank you for existing. And then kind of like having this dialogue with fear about when you need it to become your ally and when it might be, you know, hurting you to not leaving your dreams or not, you know, advancing or not taking that job or that opportunity or, you know, launching something. No? And I found that exercise quite liberating because it kind of like lowers um, fear, sometimes we see it as something like really big, no, that's like way bigger than us. And that way we can see it having a conversation as we're having you and me, you know, fear is totally. friend <laughs> at the end. Friend or fear, exactly. Totally. And I remember this quote that said that if, if it's both terrifying and exhilarating, then you should definitely pursue it. <laughs> it's one of the quotes that I have close to me. I'm sorry. Exhilarating. What a beautiful, precise word. I'm trying to think what would the Spanish translation be, but yeah, 
If it's terrifying and exhilarating, do it. And you should Absolutely. definitely pursue it and go with all your heart. Yeah, yeah, you probably are going to shit your pants totally, but it it will be worth it. No, so just kind of like developing the wisdom or, or of when to know what to do in the precise moment. No? And tell us, um, Moncaya, about what is how how is your process with fear how do you transmute it maybe you use fear to create music maybe you use fear like your fear what does it feel in you mm -hmm. i always add as an artist i tend to add a layer of poetry to mm. it i think i suppose that dancers will be able to dance fear you know, and, and embody it. I think there's something very, what we were just saying about befriending fear and naming it, you know, being able to recognize it. Um, for me, I, I give it a story and I give it a, a poem, let's mm -hmm. say. No, I add poetry around it. So, I don't know. Heartbreak, for example. Heartbreak is a fear of not finding anything as good or better. Mm -hmm. That fear is also rooted in an even deeper layer around uh, self-esteem of mm -hmm. do we do I actually deserve something better? Mm -hmm. Am I worthy no. of something better? Mm -hmm. Exactly. And also a lack of trust of I trust that this was not for me. Mm -hmm. I trust that what is mine will always be mine, you know? Um, so as an artist and as a composer, I love to create beauty out of a circumstance that might not be beautiful or a feeling that might not feel beautiful because, and we know this, and I know everyone listening will be able to relate to this, the greatest like things that make us uncomfortable, things that make us sad are the greatest learnings also, mm -hmm. you know? The days in the beach where everything is perfect, they're great to recharge, but they're not learnings, you know? <laughs> Um, you don't learn so, anything when everything is going well, honestly, it could be kind of like a pause, a rest, you know, something to recharge your batteries, but you're not going to learn there. And you're going to learn way more from uh -huh. failure and from pain. Uh -huh. Exactly. So that's where, what I try to focus, um, my energy in because I have to like, it's for my own sanity. I can't go through rabbit holes of confusion and uncertainty and fear and blockages like I'm too emotional for that. I have to ride my own emotions. And the way I do it mm -hmm. is there's some pillar inside this watery self of mine that creates very beautiful learnings and takes care of those parts of me that are fearful, those parts of me that are broken. Mm -hmm. And um, and that's what I do. Music always, drawing also, but specifically music, since, since a very, 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 very young age, since like eight or nine, I've been composing songs um, organically no one in my family were musicians I just knew I had to um, as a way to transmute and transform negative feelings mm -hmm. totally and it's beautiful what you said about um, creating beauty from something that wasn't beautiful <laughs> right and we have the ability of constantly creating beauty around us it could be visual it could be auditory it could be you know from smells it could be from touch it could be right and that's you know part of 
of what art is, about all of these aesthetic emotions that are evoked with art. And these aesthetic emotions are the specific emotions that are evoked by experiencing beauty. And they feel, they are felt, I'm sorry, in a different part of our bodies. And it's fascinating, the emotional world, because it's kind of like like the brain. Like sometimes we don't know anything about them, <laughs> right? It's like... It fascinates us. It's part exactly of who we are, right? The brain is like you know, this supercomputer that we have that has made us, you know, a successful, I'm quoting it, successful race, right? And, um, and you know, it's this specific part where we're feeling the um, aesthetic emotions that kind of like tell us that we are humans because there are other animals and other species around us that they they can't feel aesthetic emotions. And we can with arts and, and in your case with music. And I find that's fascinating. And I want to ask you something. Um, one of your passions have been to find your voice. And especially what I like a lot is outside of the institutions and more on your own road. And I love that because I feel that, you know, including me and many people around, we tend to feel that institutions can legitimize us. And of course they can, but maybe it's not the only road. So could you expand a little bit about how did you find your voice? Absolutely. I'm thinking that just the thought came to me right now that is that institutions don't increase our passion institutions just increase our skill and they are two very different things and someone whether they are a doctor or an architect or an artist or a musician someone can have a lot of um, skill and less passion someone can have a lot of passion passion not in just willingness to learn but in like how connected you are to that act of mm -hmm. expression of healing if you're a doctor like really at that deeper level you know um and you perhaps are a skillful master and also that's kind of your um vocation you know your your, your purpose in life so they are two different things and and I'm, I, I, can, I can say this first experience because I trained and I studied uh, for six years as an engineer and I believe and I see myself as an artist at heart, you know, my art, whether it is illustration, writing, composing, singing, uh, praying is I have not learned these in institutions like I did engineering, mm -hmm. but all my skill doesn't really help me. All those skills that I learned in institutions has, haven't really helped me, I suppose, in learning how to play a violin better or a piano or, or a guitar. So, so I think definitely skill matters. Mm -hmm. And I still think that every single human on this earth should first up and above all ask themselves what makes them live, what makes them shine, what makes them feel authentic, back, circling back to the beginning of the conversation. Mm -hmm. And there, when you find that, then we can build skill around that because maybe if not we will find ourselves like i found myself some years back where i was you know going very far in a, in a, in a career um that was not who i was mm -hmm. so i was slowly rot like breaking inside um but everything looked great on paper so i wish that no human lives that mm -hmm. because we're here and we only have one life for all mm -hmm. we know so we better use it to the best of our 
ability and to live the maximum amount of ranges of human expression and and realizations so what was the question <laughs> did i find my voice <laughs> yes how did you find your voice <laughs> exactly um exactly that way i i realized the difference the dissonance between what i was doing and what i really wanted to be doing mm. and what really made my heart shine and i was good at it you know and i was earning and i was yeah. and everyone at christmas dinners would be like all oh, my family would be like oh great you're doing so much you know mm -hmm. but i knew it wasn't i knew it wasn't um the right thing for me so the way i find my voice is first and foremost stepping into the unknown quitting mm -hmm. what i was doing following among the noise and confusion and exhaustion from burnout from doing things that i didn't want to do there was one string of voice being like this is beautiful what you're doing you know mm -hmm. so trying to like block all the other noises to focus on that um this is a daily practice you know mm -hmm. um that i and, and it took time and and effort and from there i started really digging like why am i doing what i'm doing i i always played music but i never connected to the performer aspect of going mm -hmm. on a stage mm -hmm. and having people pay me to do what i love and then people coming and clapping i'm like why are you why are you giving me your opinion or like people would come being like i love this i felt uncomfortable with that because i didn't want to receive feedback i just wanted to give a part of my soul and it was strange and of course I've, I've i've moved on from that but at the beginning i was not connecting with the performer aspect and it actually all changed in a in a ceremony that i was a part of where, where uh, the person needing it asked who could if anyone wanted to share a song so i shared a song and i realized that all this uncomfort and discomfort around performance was just my ego and the other part was your voice and your music is medicine. Mm -hmm. So your responsibility is to share your medicine with the world, not keep it for your own medicinal sure. purposes, you know, healing purposes, but share them with the world. And from that day onwards, everything changed because I don't see performing as a way of living or something that I have to do because I'm a musician. I see performing as my responsibility to to open hearts the way music has opened my heart yeah and that's it mm -hmm. that's beautiful i remember this meditation retreat that i was that i remember that i asked it was this couple no, that was guiding it i remember that i asked her um how do you find your voice and how do you find your passions in life and she answered uh whatever uplifts you whatever uplifts your energy there it is whatever drains the energy out of you there isn't so it's kind of like you know turning on your internal compass on where to get there but obviously it's not as, as easy as it sounds no it reminds me of of the work from this argentinian psychologist called susana balan that she talks about people being gifted in empathy that um when you're gifted in empathy you it's kind of like having no skin between you and everybody else's emotions so then you're you feel easier other people's needs and wants from you than your own needs and wants right so that makes 
a process of finding your voice quite difficult because you can listen to kind of like the need and want of, for example, your mother to become a banker, as an example, or your father to become an architect or, you know, the culture around you that's telling you like, oh, come on, go, you know, to business and do this and don't be an artist or don't be a creative or, you know, maybe your friends or the social group that you're in, no? And that becomes quite complicated because it's really hard to be able to kind of, you know, bring out the layers of everybody else's needs and wants and opinions about you and truly find your voice and integrate all of those parts of you. And um, she actually calls like this process to do the mutation process <laughs> when you create like this new gene of who is this new identity for you. And I love her work because, well, I think she's uh, a really wise person. And finding your voice might not be easy for many people because sometimes part of the voices that we have can be, you know, constrained either by, you know, money, by opportunities, by time, not different situations that we have around our lives. So what can you say or what, you know, tips could you give for people that it's not easy for them to find their voice? I'll give the same piece of advice that I keep on getting over and over again in all different forms and shapes. And that is patience. Patience is probably the hardest one for me. Because I'm always, you know, as I was saying, stepping out of my comfort zone and learning and deepening and, and expanding. And sometimes things, most of the time, if not all, things take longer than we would yeah. want them to. Mm -hmm. um, so probably if you are listening to this podcast, you're already in that process of transmutation. And probably if you're listening to this podcast, you can already tell for yourself what people And what spaces in your current life you don't want to be a part of and what spaces you want to, mm -hmm. you know, you could even be like, I just know that I don't want to be with these people, but I haven't found my people yet, mm -hmm. you know, uh, but all of that just takes time. And even that clarity on what you don't want around your current life is already a huge step, you know, even clarity on, on my own insecurities on my own shortcomings, that's a huge step to overcoming them. Mm -hmm. And so to be patient means to be gentle, kind to ourselves and to know that things take time. Mm -hmm. um, but for sure, I don't think I've met anybody ever who thinks and whose experience of stepping into their own authenticity has been easy. Mm. Easy is not the word. <laughs> No. So people having a hard time finding their authenticity, I think is everyone who is finding their authenticity. Mm. It's so not easy and it's not fast. Another very important one. Mm -hmm. Say it again. It's not easy and it's not fast. It's, it's not process. easy and it's not fast. So patience and knowing that you're not alone, even mm -hmm. if you can't just grab the phone and be like, hi, Marion, how, like, <laughs> I'm feeling very... Da, 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 like lost and you're like yeah me too it's maybe we don't get to experience that with others but we know that there are hundreds if not millions of people out there who are also trying and striving for a more authentic way of living and it's hard because 
the lives that have been created for us. Of course, and social media that doesn't help, right? Showing that maybe everybody's having an amazing time and a wonderful life and people are maybe not sharing kind of like the rawness of, you know, our emotional world that, you know, happens every day, <laughs> right? Yeah, so it's important to open the conversation. And I want to dig a little bit more about um, what are the roadblocks that you've seen around in your career, in your experience? What are the roadblocks for people finding their voice? Oof. <laughs> I, was, I was lucky enough to have parents who wanted the best for me. And still, even them trying their best, I think there's even some structures around, like, I was 12 and I loved arts and I loved math. Mm -hmm. And they were like, oh, that's easy, my love. Just work on math and your hobby will be arts, <laughs> you know? And, and there's like all these nuances that, that um, built an understanding of how I should be that is external. So education, I think it all starts and ends with education. And of course, not only child children education but lifelong education but perhaps the most important one or where it all starts is with um with an uh, an upraising so the roadblock for sure has been all the structures all the people of the spaces the teachers the adults the other kids all the things that have come into my life in a way that kind of put up walls of like uh-uh not this or this should be in this way or are to be kept in the back room for you you know i think the best way we can educate children and and ourselves is to understand that sky is the limit and not even sky is the limit like we really gotta take ownership of what we want and how we want it so roadblocks like specifically um that same thing like Perhaps I wanted to go to music school and that was not even an option in my house. I had to go to science or engineering school. Um, and it's, it's okay. Everything is perfect, but it takes time, you know, to kind of unlearn, as you were saying. Um, and, and also another one is I, I don't give myself and I don't think many people give themselves enough space to feel space mm -hmm. from like, you're in a relationship, I know, and I, like I'm in a relationship and I know that it's really healthy in my relationship to have a lot of alone time because only that way I can go in a better human being. So space is important just like that with another human being, with our parents, with our children, I think with ourselves, space, you know? Um, so because we live a life where we're so connected to our screens, where we're so connected to all stimuli, stimuli, stimuli is hard to find space. So mm -hmm. my biggest roadblock probably has been my lifestyle of mm -hmm. one thing after another, after project, after social dinner, after not sleeping enough and, or sleeping enough and having to cancel my morning meetings because I just can't pack everything into the day, you know? And it's like, is that how I want to live? And the answer is hell no. But I'm in the process of figuring it out. And this house in the mountains is, is something that I've called in to give me space uh, away from the city, just to have space <laughs> to then be able to go back into the city more consciously. 
Of course, and have space to create, right? Have space to kind of like settle down the water and the oil. No? Sometimes when we live in the city, it's like shaking the water and the oil. And we need to, you know, kind of like, you know, sit down and let, let that, you know, kind of like work out and sink. No, by itself. I would totally. add, I would compliment a little bit on, on what you said about, I think, um, another uh, big roadblock that we have is shame about coming out, kind of like being you, what would other people think? Would they approve you or not? Are you allowed in your social construct to be that or not? Or you need, or the expectations about you from your family, from your peers, from your culture about that success might look another way, right? Um, and also I would add another one about being vulnerable because speaking your voice especially well, finding your voice and then speaking your voice or speaking, you know, showing your fire eventually has to do with vulnerability. You need to show the true you and maybe it could be something common, the true you to you, but maybe it's not easy to show the true you to everyone else, right? You might feel rejection. You might feel that you don't belong. You might feel criticized. You might feel kind of like laughed at, pointed at. And, you know, those are difficult emotions that we need to deal with in the, in the closed, you know, groups or culture that we're brought in. And the last one that I would add, um, and it's not least important is the fear to shine, right? What happens if we shine, is it going to, you know, um, start the anger or the hate or the envy of somebody else? Is that going to be your mother, your father, your sister, your friends? If you succeed, what's going to happen? And I find that fascinating because I read, it was almost, I think, 10 years ago, I was living in New York and I read this paper from the New York Times that was talking about why successful people or what we think is success, well, we, what we call, you know, that's, you know, success, uh, might not have success in other areas of their lives. And I found that article fascinating because it talked about when you reach a specific level of success and I'm quoting it, no, whatever it is, um, then you, you, st you tend to feel a little bit lonelier and then you try to fail in a sense, no, in other areas of your life. So you can become kind of like mortal in a sense and then be surrounded by other people that lack the same thing as you. So it's very difficult sometimes, well, this article said that it's difficult to find, you know, successful people that have success in many areas of their lives. Sometimes you can find, I don't know, the super successful businessman, but has his internal family and his emotions a wreck. Or maybe you can find, you know, someone that, you know, nurtures a relationship with their kids a lot and maybe he's not successful at taking care of his body or nutrition or health for example no and the article gave like many data interesting about this so what can you tell about the fear of shining what has happened to you <laughs> as we were preparing for this podcast i i i was precisely sharing you that perhaps my biggest um form of fear trauma uh, roadblock has been the fear of shining. And this connects to the first question that you asked me, which was, when did Moncaya's this authentic self of uh, expression of myself emerged? And my life story has been a series of episodes in my childhood and my teenage years, in my early adulthood up to now, 
that have that I knew what who I was, that I knew what I wanted, and still I didn't dare to do it. So it wasn't confusion. It wasn't not knowing. It was knowing and still being afraid of executing that knowing. So what I can share is hundreds of times where I've been <laughs> scared to shine and my own process of slowly, surely, and carefully with patience, with loving kindness, you know, starting to realize that it's okay to shine. And there will be many people who don't like it. There will be many people who triggers them because I've also been triggered by people who shine mm -hmm. and are unafraid of shining. And then I feel like, Oh, why can't they shine? I can't, and I can't, you know, and this is, this is the basics for, for of many interpersonal, terrible feelings, you know? So, so it is okay to shine. And, and I keep on reminding me this and I keep on seeing how some relationships fall apart. I keep on seeing how some relationships change, how some spaces are no longer the same when you start shining, because it's a really daring um, and loving act act of self-love is to shine the way you are mm -hmm. and of course it's always a learning it's not like oh i'm going to you know go over people because i this is my truth and this is that I, how i want to shine there's a way of shining that is more loving and there's more caring and more bright of course i know so we also need to be careful of how we how we shine yeah less 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 ego no and more about you know sharing that light with others and i think also about you know one of the biggest fears i think that sometimes happens unconsciously about shining is that we tend to feel that if we shine we're going to dim the light of someone else right and if we dim the light of someone else uh we're going well we might also create you know envy and we might create you know someone to hate us or someone to you know kind of like get angry or have like kind of like this thing inside us that you know our presence might be uh bothering them and i think we are, we have the ability to change how we read that and it's not that if we shine we're going to dim the light of someone else but i think if we shine then the people around us are going to shine with us and they're going to also experience you know that light that we are bringing by you know as you said by creating our medicine so it's kind of like it's not about competition it's about cooperation and it's about working as a team so if, if you shine your mother and your grandmother and maybe your future daughter and your whole lineage is going to shine because of what you're reaching of what you're doing you're actually you know changing and writing a new story in your family lineage or your ancestry right and the same thing happens because if you see someone that shines eventually that person is an inspiration for you. You can say, if that person can do it, I can do it. If that person is there and is taking the courage and is taking the vulnerability and is taking, you know, is stepping completely out of her or his comfort zone, then I can do it. So we can read it differently instead of like, oh, that person has what I want and has the success that I want. No, and then it's like, it's like, if it was like, if success was a token and that token is already taken and it doesn't work like that. <laughs> they're not, you know, they're not a finite, a finite 
finite tokens. <laughs> There's abundance of those tokens. And if someone is successful, so you can be successful of what for you think is successful or, or, or what you want to achieve, right? In your, in your goals. But I think it's a fascinating thing to pinpoint, especially right now in Luan, we launched this, um, collaborative artistic project called show your fire and it's about you know having what is it inside of you that you can't stop hiding anymore what is it inside of you that you can't wait to share with the world and that is your medicine that is your light to shine brightly for you and the people around you and we did, we created this because we we found that there was a lot of people afraid to show their light so i want to ask you What's your fire? What's missing inside your voice to complement with your internal fire? It's a beautiful question. My fire is connection, connection to myself, connection to nature, connection that comes from giving space, from having healthy food, healthy words, from not swearing, from not having negative thoughts. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's a process of purif purifying our thoughts, purifying our speech, purifying our actions so that we enter, so that I, I enter into a space of connection. Mm -hmm. And that's what I do. Then that's why I make music because it fosters my connection. That's why I choose to live in Mexico. That's why I choose to live in the mountains two hours away from Mexico City. That's why every single moment of my day can be, you know, breaking down into instants, into seconds, and they all are a search for that connection. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I feel more connected, sometimes I feel less connected, but I do think I, I live and I strive to live in as much as possible in integrity with that connection. Like how much of it is helping me feel more connected, mm -hmm. you know, and that for me, that's what I value most. And when I feel my integrity has been broken is when I start seeing myself in spaces that I'm completely disconnected from space, mm -hmm. you know, from, from the space that we can create mm -hmm. space to create as I'm saying, um, so that is my fire. Mm, I love that. I love what you mentioned about the connection. And it reminds me of this study that I read a while ago about mice, that they were addicted to heroin. You know that heroin is one of the most addictive drugs, right? That we have mapped oh, so far. Yeah. <laughs> and um, they had kind of like this mice alone in its own kind of like, you know, house. Huh? place to be and they give the mice water with heroin and the mice obviously you know drank it and drank it and drank it and before the the mice was going to pass away or kind of like do an od they put the mice in kind of like this rat park right where they were you know playing and you know going up and down and there were other you know mice around them and you know they were having connections and they were sleeping together and they were playing and they were having these interactions and they put the water with heroin and they put the water by itself and the mouse started to choose the water by itself so this whole study talks about how connection aids a lot with um addictions 
And I think that's why, you know, psychedelics have entered in such an aid for some people. And I'm not saying it's the only cure. There are other ways also to, to do it. But science have, has found that, you know, the connection that some psychedelic plants um, have for humans is this, you know, profound connection to you, to, it could be your creative energy, could be um, the universe, the cosmos, uh, God, whatever you want to call it, right? But that profound connection, and that's why sometimes, you know, there, well, nowadays there are more centers and retreats uh, that use psychedelics for the use of addictions. So I think you're pinpointing something that's quite human for all of us, and we should foster and we should open the conversation more often about having those spaces to connect with ourselves and to connect with others. Less about showing and, you know, me, 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 and more about what's the real deal, right? What's the essence? And trust me, what you're saying, I think, connects, like, plant medicines and meditation and stepping out of our comfort zone, all these things, what they actually do at a neuro, you know, neurological level is create connections in our mm -hmm. brains, new mm -hmm. connections. So it certainly speaks a lot to, to what we're sharing. It also happens at a also neuro, neuro, neurological level. Yes, we're learning and unlearning constantly with psychedelics, <laughs> constantly. And before we close, I want to ask you, um, tell us about your creative process while creating music. How do you create? Is it something that you prepare? Is it something that you have a habit of? I don't know. Maybe I spend X amount of time per day to create music. It's more about kind of like freestyle flowing. It's more about what? I don't choose it. Mm -hmm. I just know it will come. I don't know when it comes, but it, sometimes it comes and I'm like, I'm too tired, tired. I want to go to bed, but it's, it's there. And the song is coming or the feeling is coming. And so I pick up my phone and I write a note or I pick up my book or I literally stand up and start playing guitar, like whatever it is, but it comes. Mm -hmm. So I'm one of those people that don't necessarily work well with, okay, now I'm going to sit down and I'm going to do a creative exercise. It's more like I live life and I have to create spaces in my life so that that inspiration and, and force of creation can come. Mm. So if I'm super stressed and super busy in the city and one thing after another, or I pack myself with concerts, you know, then it could be that I'm an entire month without producing new music. And I'm someone who's always producing, mm -hmm. but if I'm in a space like, I love the Maya and Riviera, like all the cenotes, all this beautiful, lush, full mangrove ecosystem and kingdom. I go there instantaneously. It's like music creeping out of my back, you know, <laughs> like I see it coming. And it's normally accompanied by a lot of emotions. So I'm feeling great, but all of a sudden I start remembering. Um, this happened to me last night, actually. I was in bed and I started crying because I felt the presence of my grandmother who passed away uh, due to COVID in 2020. And I wrote this very beautiful piece called Ella, which means her. And I don't start a process being like, oh, I'm going to write about her or, I'm or I don't even know what I'm going to say. I just start crying. And then I, ha I, I, I have to write something about it. And that might just turn into a piece of spoken word or that might, I will never read it again, or it might turn into my next song. Mm. So it's more about having an outlet, 
of those emotions, of those feelings, of those experiences that you've had, right? Yes. And kind of like yes. giving it words and transmuting it into something, you know, once the expression is there. That's why arts are really healing, right? Because instead of feeling that pain or that sadness of your grandma passing away, that I'm very sorry about, you know, to hear that, eventually kind of like opens, you know, to that expression and creates a piece of art. And in, inside of you, it sort of liberates you a little bit of, you know, that pain and that sadness, right? like finds a flow amazing Moncaya. thank you thank you so much thank you for sharing all of this magic and your experience with us and i would like to close by asking you a few questions to answer in one or few words just you know we need kind of like short answers you know whatever comes to your mind first that's the right answer <laughs> don't think it much. <laughs> well, um, what is art for you Connection and realness. Your favorite author? Nietzsche. An advice that changed your life? Patience. The best quality in humans? Unconditional love. A book that you recommend? The Little Prince. What feeds your soul? Nature and rivers. The most pressing issue for humanity? Nature and rivers. If humans can agree on this, you will be very happy. <laughs> respect, what it means to respect the other. What would you like to scream to the whole world? <laughs> um, uh, home. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Uh, something that you expect with joy in 2022? Oof. Um, creating beautiful in-person events in this beautiful mountain that I now call home. Hmm. The last one, what is it that you have lived that no one could miss experiencing it? Spending a week at least in the mountain called Ausangate in the Andes, mm. like six hours away from Cusco. Or just spending time like super high up in the mountains, like just nothing, just you and cold and sun mm. that's beautiful be with our rawness right of the environment exactly exactly mm. that's beautiful amazing Moncaya. thank you so much for sharing your knowledge your light your magic with us it was wonderful to have you here in this podcast of luan and uh, thank you so much for sharing your voice and your journey Thank you. Thank you for creating this beautiful global museum. You were telling me all the different places that people connect from. And I think that's what's needed. Less kind of, I do this in my country and you do this in your country, but starting a, a global conversation because the problems and the solutions are all global. And so global. thank you. And we share the responsibility of that, <laughs> of, of, of those exactly. solutions in the world. <laughs> right? Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.